0: Uh, Thanks uh, so much, Peter. Uh, How about we just bow our heads in prayer? Uh, Lord, I just ask that what I say now may please you and be beneficial to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Uh, Look, I'd like to ask a question this morning. Christian doesn't mean much anymore and then try to answer that particular question. Uh, We all have descriptors, don't we? Labels. Uh, Dean, you just heard one of mine. Professor's another one, husband, father, grandfather, citizen of Australia, and the like. Now, some of these labels other people give us, and some of these labels we, we give ourselves. The New Testament actually has a, an abundance of descriptors of followers of Jesus. They're called believers, they're called disciples. And it's one of those in particular that I want to look at this morning, this one, Christian. Of course, uh, these days, that can simply be a first name, can't it? Uh, Christian Dior. I don't think that has much to do with religion. On second thoughts, it may have a lot to do with religion, if you're really a fashionista, for example. I remember seeing a show. I think it was a big country on the ABC. It was before the fall of the Berlin Wall. So it was some years ago. And the interviewer was uh, interviewing this old bushy who was leaning up against a fence. It was really barren outback country. And and this guy looked like a prune that had been left out in the sun. He just was brown and leathery and wrinkled. And I don't know why, but the interviewer said, uh, now, are you a Christian? And he just sort of was stunned by the question. He thought for a moment and said, well... He spoke very slowly. "Uh, I'm not a communist, so I guess I am. Well, that that was a ringing endorsement of faith, wasn't it? So I'm not a communist, so I guess I must be something else and it needs to be Christian. Well, it might interest us to know that that word Christian was first used, it seems, by outsiders of followers of Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 11, for example, after a persecution that took place in Jerusalem, Christians were scattered, at least some of them, some still stayed in Jerusalem, which was like headquarters. And they went to other places like Antioch, which is now in Turkey, modern Turkey, and started spreading the faith. And some of the people who came to faith weren't more Jews, but people who weren't Jews or or Gentiles. And we read in Acts chapter 11, the disciples were first called Christians in that particular city. A label given by others, outsiders, given to insiders, if you like. We have another example of that in that same book of Acts of the Apostles. It's in chapter 26. A bit of it was read to us just a moment ago, and it was uh, Paul is on, as it were, trial before Festus, the Roman proconsul in Jerusalem, and King Agrippa, one of the client kings of Rome at the time, and Paul is giving his apology, his defence of why he follows Jesus, and to translate the Greek, Paul is saying, I'm not that case." That's a pretty loose translation. He'd say, I'm not in that case. Uh, What I'm saying is reasonable. Talking about Jesus and his uh, resurrection and how Jesus had commissioned him to take the message out to the world, indeed to the non-Jewish world. And King Agrippa says, look, you're trying to persuade me to become a Christian. So in both those contexts, there's hostility, there is... Pressure on followers of Jesus, and this label Christian comes from the outsider. But there's one other instance of it, and this time when we read 1 Peter chapter 4, it's being used by an insider to describe us who follow Jesus. And again, the context is persecution if you're suffering for that name Jesus, he says. Make sure you're suffering because of that name and not because of something you're actually doing that is worth criticising. But if you suffer as a Christian, he says, this is Peter in 1 Peter 4, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Now, why did that name become such a problem in that first century world and in those early centuries? And I think this has got relevance to us today, as I hope to show you see, that label is ultimately about allegiance. Allegiance. To whom your loyalty is given. In Matthew chapter 22, Pharisees, super-religious Jews, and Herodians who followed King Herod, belonged to the party of King Herod, joined together to try and trap Jesus in some uh, clever speech of theirs. And the word for Herodian is... Herodianos, belonging to the party of Herod, in effect. That word Christian is Christianos. What it meant, as people heard it was, these people had given their allegiance to Jesus. They belonged to the party of Jesus. That's where their ultimate loyalty was given. And that was a big issue in that first century world, Because in that Roman Empire, what people wanted to see, at least the officials, was that a person's loyalty was ultimately given to Caesar. To be a Caesarianos, belonging to Caesar. Because especially in that part of the world where Antioch was, we call Asia Minor, following King Jesus was a threat to following King Caesar, as it were. And so it became really controversial, and you could suffer for that very name itself, for carrying that very label of being Christian. It could mean trouble. And we have an example of the kind of trouble it meant. We have a letter, in fact, fact, a couple of letters from the governor of Bithynia, which was in that same region of Asia Minor, In the early part of the 2nd century, he wrote to the Emperor Trajan because Pliny had discovered some Christians. They had been pointed out to him, and he didn't quite know what to do. And he's a really good bureaucrat. I don't know anyone here who works for the Victorian state government, but if you've ever worked for a state government or the federal government and you're a bureaucrat, you really like to cover your backside. So he writes to the um, Emperor in order to make sure that he does nothing wrong and loses his position or prestige. And he says, look, I've got these people who've been denounced as Christians. Now, some of them I asked to curse Christ, and they do. And I understand, he says, that that's something a genuine Christian won't do. Look, they seem a pretty harmless lot, he says in his letter to uh, the emperor Trajan. In fact, they seem to meet together a great while before daylight. And they sing hymns to Christ as God, and they eat food that seems innocent. Uh, there was a rumor around, it seems, in the second century that uh, Christians were cannibals down the road because did you hear they eat someone's body and blood on Sunday? And so that got the uh, rumor going that it wasn't innocent food. But Pliny uh, says no, it's quite innocent food, and they just sing hymns, and it seems all pretty innocuous. Uh, Interestingly enough, if you've read Dan Brown, uh, that great historian of the early church period, uh, Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Codes tries to argue that somehow the church in the fourth century decided to invent the idea that Jesus is God. Well, here we have, in about 112 AD, Christians caught singing hymns to Christ as God. So stick with novels, Dan, and away from history. So. He writes to the emperor, and he'd actually taken some action. he found a couple of slave women who were called deaconesses, and they wouldn't curse Christ, so he just executed them because they bore that name Christian. Now, isn't it interesting? These were slaves. They were women in ministry having official roles in the church. It's about 112 AD. And for their courage, it cost them their lives. They wouldn't curse Christ. Now, uh, Trajan wrote back, we actually have these letters. And he says, look, uh, if people denounce someone as a Christian, test them out. See if they'll worship the gods, worship me. If they will, then let them go. Otherwise, punish them, he says. Punish them for that name Christian. Because you see, to bear that name Christian meant that your ultimate allegiance was given to another king, not Caesar. Uh, One of my favorite stories in the early church comes from about 150 AD, 155, uh, 56 AD actually. It involves the Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp. Now, he was a very elderly man and a well-known Christian leader. And he was actually going to his death. He was taken to the arena, and he was put in front of the crowd. And the Roman official really (laughs) tried to give him an out. He said, look, just just curse Christ and and worship the gods, worship the emperor, and I'll let you go. Just say away with the atheists. Because, you see, the early Christians, would you believe, were called atheists? because they didn't have images that they worshipped. Richard Dawkins, did you know that? They were called atheists. And so, yes, uh, Polycarp said, "Uh, you know, I'd be happy to do that. So he looked at all these uh, pagans in the stands, waiting to see the execution. He just waved and said, away with all the atheists. (laughs) That didn't sort of help when he said that. So there he was in the arena. And he said something that was really, I think, just so moving. It seems that he came to Christ as a child, who just had James baptised. Because uh, Polycarp said, 86 years I have served my king. Notice, my king. And he has done me no harm. How shall I betray him who saved me? He said, I am a Christian, a Christianus. I follow Jesus. You see, way back then, that word, that label was about the person to whom you would given your allegiance in life. And I think increasingly in our society, that's what Christian will need to mean again. As we find there is increasing hostility towards Christianity and that term Christian I think like those early Christians, that label will start to mean more and more, I hope it will. It won't mean much if it's just cultural, just conventional. I'm not a communist, so it must be something else, why not Christian? But I think in our sort of society, it will mean that there is an allegiance, something we've given our hearts to that directs our lives, a person for whom there may be a cost. And of course there are parts of the world where that is true as I speak. According to one important survey of 2013, now this is staggering, but every hour 11 Christians are killed in the world. There are 139 countries where Christians are actually undergoing persecution. That's three quarters of the nations in the world for whom it will cost to bear that label. In a way, it doesn't cost me in North America, nor does it cost us in Australia. So what I want to ask is, that label Christian, that descriptor, does it describe what your ultimate allegiance in life is, or is it just one of the many hats you wear in life? My prayer for James is that he will grow up as someone for whom Christian will have that meaning. There was an early church writer called Tertullian, living in North Africa. He was the one who took a word that was used to describe the oath that a Roman soldier gave to the emperor and used it of baptism. He called it a sacramental. We've had baptism today. And amongst the many, many things it can mean, one of the things it can mean as a sacrament is a rite which expresses allegiance. So friends, the challenge for me, and I hope for you this morning, is to take that word that we throw around so easily and think through what it really can mean. Meaning at home, at work, study, in this kind of world, this kind of society. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Our gracious God, I just pray that as we bear labels in life, some that have great personal meaning, like grandfather, and, and some that are just not so much, may this one Christian be one that goes to the core of it, shaping belief and value, that we may contribute to the light in the world and not the darkness, the, the hope in the world and not despair, the goodness in the world and not the evil, the kindness in the world, and not the cruelty, the love in the world, and not the hate. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.